Hi, I'm Mark Renner. This is Victory Over Sin. Christ, you paid for my life. God's perfect sacrifice. Sufficient for me. The blood of God to atone. My sin you made your own. You have sent me free. You alone have risen. You alone have saved us. You alone have rescued us from the grave. Glorious you reign now. Good Saturday afternoon to you, Treasure Valley. My name is Mark Rennick, and this is Victory Over Sin. The first part of this show, what we attempt to do is to share with you just who we are and what we do and what we're attempting to accomplish. Victory Over Sin is a program that's funded by Systemic Change of Idaho. And Systemic Change of Idaho is funded by an advocacy organization, arm, if you will, of the Southwest Council for St. Vincent de Paul. In that arm, what we attempt to do is to educate you, the general public, about what it's like to come out of incarceration, to be on parole, and to survive in the state of Idaho on parole. We think that's a formidable task, and we would wager that you do not know much about it. So that's what this show attempts to do. If you go back in the archives of KBXL, you will see a series of shows. There are well over 100 of these shows. We've been doing about two and a half years now. And you will see a litany of people who are support people who are incarcerated. And you will kind of get a flavor for there. There have been politicians on there. There have been national figures. There have been people coming out of incarceration. There's been supportive agencies. Uh, the heads of part of the Department of Corrections, the last two directors have been on the show and will continue to come on the show. So we're excited about that. It becomes a real good uh, body of work, if you will, about how to find out about the Department of Corrections and how those of us who have been incarcerated and are, have made it on parole or are making it on parole uh, survive. So it's a good, good resource for you. In addition to that, what we also do is do a PowerPoint that we are happy to bring to your business, to your nonprofit, to your church, if you will. And it's a 20-minute presentation which addresses many of these same issues in terms of living on parole. The great thing about this is that it is led by a person who is a returning citizen themselves. So they'll come out and give the PowerPoint. It is meant to to, uh, share with you some of the issues. And then you'll see them stand a little bit taller as they give the presentation because they're excited about that information, and then they can kind of answer questions. It's meant to spark discussion to your group, and we hope that does that. At the end of the show, I'm going to let you know how to get in touch with me if you're interested in us coming to your business, or if you're driving around and your person who's been out of incarceration wants to help with this effort, boy, we really want to hear from you, and we want to link you into some of those situations if if we can. Uh, It has been an exciting summer so far. Uh, Many of you know that we also have an offender resource guide that we just published one more time, and it is 40 pages now in length. It is, if you go to Systemic Change of Idaho and look it up, you can hit a link, and it'll go directly to the PDF of that publication, and you can actually download it now. So it's a feature of the new one that's easy to do. Or you can come by the offices of Systemic Change of Idaho and IMSI Hope Community, and those offices are at 8620. West Emerald, Suite 140, and that's in Boise, Idaho. So come by usually between the hours of 9 and 12, and we'll give you copies of it. Or if you want many copies at your business or location, come by or come by or give me a call, and we'll deliver as many of those as we can. One of the other supporters of us that's listed big in big time in the publication this time is an 
organization called Just Leadership USA. We are linked very strongly with them. They're a New York-based organization. And what they do is act as the supporter leadership arm, if you will, of people who have been incarcerated. And what we're doing is trying to get them involved in terms of fixing the system. Uh, They are now in all 50 states. Uh, They have a program that uh, many people can apply for if they've been incarcerated and go through their training program. It's called a fellowship. It happens once a year. I'm fortunate enough to be the first person from Idaho to go through that program, but we're encouraging those of you listening to my voice. If you're driving around and you've been incarcerated, get in contact with me, and I'll show you how to apply for that. So with that being said, we've got I'm excited. We've got a guest of ours, a friend of ours from the Idaho Falls area is going to be on the radio with us, and we'll be right back. The United States has the highest percentage of its population in prison in the world. That's 1 in 200 Americans are currently serving time in a federal or local prison. As of May 2017, Idaho has 8,223 men and women incarcerated and another 17,201 on probation and parole. So upon release from prison, who works with these individuals and families to help them transition back into our community? This is done by what we call Returning Citizens Resources and coffee shop. We offer them a cup of coffee and some resources and information to help get them on solid footing with their faith, their recovery, and to begin their new life as our neighbor. It's designed for the offender's first stop from the institution. If you'd like to help us help them, please contact Mark Rennick at 629-8861. That's area code 208-629-8861. And if you're out in the desert needing any help for your transition, we pay for that call. There are very good people who work in uh, the field of helping people as they come out of incarceration, and we're fortunate to have one of those people uh, on the radio with us today. Lisa Calder is back with us today, or is with us today. How are you, Lisa? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking, Mark. How are you? I am blessed myself. So um, <laughs> you are based in Idaho Falls, and I have you mm-hmm. as you're a trainer, of uh, peer support specialist, and a recovery coach trainer, Correct. Yes, yes, I am. Okay. And you're from the Idaho Falls area that I've already kind of mentioned. Are you a native Idahoan? No, no. I was um, I was actually born in Casper, Wyoming, and then uh, moved around a little bit, but the majority of um, my my time was spent in um, Alaska. I was surprised to see that when I looked on your bio that you were from Alaska. <laughs> Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful state. It really is. But it was also um, the beginning of a long journey of, um, of you know, of, of recovery for me and, and learning what that looks like. And, and uh, so, so how did you get um, from Alaska to Idaho Falls? Well, it's a it's a very long story, but um, in a nutshell, um, I was living on the streets in in Anchorage, Alaska. I had lived, I had uh, left my, my children. I got, um, I got wrapped into um, cocaine, crack cocaine, and, um, and all the things that come with that. Um, ended up homeless. And there was a strange intervention that happened with my mother looking for me for, for a very long time. Um, one day she um, got up from the table and grabbed my picture, and she had taken it to, um, to a little... Um, um, liquor store, and um, I used to go in there and get um, sodas there because it was cheaper than across the street at the Seven Eleven. And the woman recognized me, 
and my mother had told her that there was something going on and I needed to get in touch with her. Um, it wasn't a true story. It ended up being an intervention, and she flew me to a Wyoming and had me with no return ticket. And um, and I, I, it was a start of a of my journey in recovery. Um, so I ended up in a treatment center there and left, and and on it just went on and on for a while. Until so it's one of those like the television show, the reentry or intervention or whatever. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, really. Yeah, well, kind of. Uh, it was, yeah. it was, uh, yeah, it was just all family related, and they put somebody on the plane with me that was a family member, and okay. um, I thought I was going to see a dying brother, <laughs> and I wasn't. So, <laughs> that's, um, that's kind of how it started. Well, yeah. I, I too am a fellow addict, so I mean, it's uh, it's amazing what we do to our families when we are lost in that wilderness, I guess you would say. But uh, yeah, that's that's yeah. A, a great story. <laughs> You and I met by basically, I think, over time as, I mean, I knew who you were over there and we kind of interacted and we were at a few trainings together. And then I had you at Center for Hope, which is uh, Idaho Falls, but you're not with them anymore, right? You you were, but you were a part of the startup of that. Was that is that correct? Yes, I, yes, I was. Um, I, um, I worked as a, a peer support specialist for health and welfare for, um, for about five years and ended up on a couple of boards um, as, um, as a um, consumer advocate. So um, I was on the behavioral health board and the crisis center board. A lot of the board members um, that were on the crisis center board were also on the behavioral health board. And we were talking about what happens to the people when they leave from a crisis, what happens to them ongoing, and how do we, how do we see what that would look like. And so we got together and asked the behavioral health board um, after um, identifying in the gaps and needs analysis that a recovery center would be something that would be very, very beneficial in Idaho Falls. Um, if we could create a subcommittee and start looking at how that would how that would work, and so there were five of us, and we um, we worked on it for about a year, and then finally created a board once we um, once we were um, approved for the Millennium Fund. Grant, and you're, and in the, you're in the second round of those, the Millennium Fund, is that right? There were a few over here, and then, mm-hmm. okay, so yes, you're in the yes, second and round. Yes, we were, we were um, I believe, the third center to open. I we didn't so really so even know that there were centers coming up, um, right. so we learned it along the way, but as I said, the gaps in needs said that we needed a place where people could come and find recovery in both mental health and addiction recovery, um, where they felt like they had, um, they could build strong relationships and have pro-social activities and, and do the things they need to do for, for, um, a person driven life. Right. Mm -hmm. So. And just for, if if you're listening to our voice today too, there are now nine of those centers, correct? across the state, and uh, they look like with what kind of ends up with a Medicaid expansion, there may be money to support those guys on an ongoing basis. Is that pretty much your understanding, too? Absolutely. There's a, there's a, actually a lot going on with it. They're not, um, the Center for Hope, um, each center is very different in the way it's done, um, but the Center for Hope is a nonprofit organization. Um, there is no billing um, or um, anything like that because we we do not want to. Um, we, we don't want to um, do anything to affect the agencies around our area. So everything that we do is on a volunteer 
right. tier level. And mm-hmm. yeah, but, and, and but I, there are multiple grants from from uh, the IROC, um, um, IROC grant funding, uh, Millennium Fund grant, and, and lots of smaller grants around um, our area that have helped and I think to keep too, the center the, open. The, the, the piece or the design, if you will, that I like about Idaho Falls, and I think it's that way in Twin Falls too, is that you're adjacent to the crisis center, which is seems like a logical fit. You know, it's almost like you're in the same building in both situations. And uh, that's that's not the case everywhere in the state, I don't think. But it really works well for you, doesn't it? Yeah, I, it really does. Um, I think um, especially when IROC came out, came came into play, um, they started looking at what, what it would be like for somebody um, as a peer, as a person who has been there, to be a detox companion. And because Idaho Falls has a social detox um, component, it was it, it was just a perfect fit to have somebody in recovery going over and meeting with, with the person who is doing that um, right off the gate and start um, them in interacting with the center and then out into the community. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And you've been, since since then, you've been grabbed up by a great agency in Blackfoot, and you're actually doing the same similar work for them, correct? Is that right? I am. Mm-hmm. I am. Um, after uh, I was the manager of volunteer services once once. Once we the center opened for a couple of years, and um, we went through several transitions, and the next um, the next piece was really to kind of um, lessen the hours of the manager volunteer services, and we needed more of a, a a coordinator piece to get the income coming into the center and figuring out what that looked like. So from there, they um, I I transitioned out, and they had somebody um, come in who was more. Um, more of an administrative assistant to a coordinator. Um, and so I did. I transitioned over to a small agency in Blackfoot where I do peer support um, because that's, that's, that's my thing. I like peer-to-peer relationships and what that, what that entails in, in a person's recovery. So, uh, again, I think that's, that's the powerful piece of that, and I hope we, we're going to get to that in a second. But, two, I think one of the things that makes you unique in this situation and that people who are listening to us right now will um, gravitate towards the fact that you were incarcerated also, correct? Is that right? Yeah. Yes, okay. I was. I was I was incarcerated um, in 1992 mm-hmm. um, and um, released um, in 19, end of 97. Right. And, that was, and in, uh, that was in Wyoming, though, was it? Yes, it was. Yeah. It yeah. was in Wyoming. Um, I did not parole out. I topped my time, but um, I can tell you that it was a, a very, very jarring experience being out of society for a really long time. And um, so I do mentor for the Free to Succeed program because I, I remember what it was like to come out and not know what was next and not know how to turn on a stove, uh, not right. know how to raise children, not know how to grocery shop. Yeah. It I know. Was I think a, that's, it was, uh, that is also where... Um, at the event over there that Stephanie Taylor Silva put on for a few months ago where everybody was there. I remember you were honored as a Free to Succeed mentor, and that's really where the first time you and I actually talked more than just a, um, hey, how are you doing kind of thing in a class. But that you could tell that the things that are really strong over in Idaho Falls, there's a good group of people working with uh, those who need support and those out of incarceration in the Idaho Falls area. So congratulations for being a part of that. Thank you. Thank yeah. you very much. It, yeah. it's a, it, it means a lot to me, too. 
Yeah, I think the people who do this sort of work, to be honest with you, to be successful need to be um, people like you and I, uh, because we've been in those situations. We don't have the tremendous amount of clinical support, but it lends some credence to the difficulty that what people are going through, and it makes it a little easier for people to be open and honest with us, and then we can direct them in the ways if they do need you know, support for their mental health, et cetera, et cetera. But it's real critical in those situations as people are trying to figure out their lives that they have somebody like you to talk to. Yeah, it's uh, and it goes both ways. I mean, it's a, it's an absolute trifecta. Not only does it, it, it help, it helps the, the person that we're with, but it helps us in our own recovery journey as well. And then it helps the system um, to become more of a recovery-oriented system of care versus versus the clinical. Um, piece, so. Man, I love that phrase, trifecta. I may have to borrow that from you. That's pretty good there. <laughs> I like that. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> you're on the um, also on the board of Recovery Idaho, too. So I saw you there the other day, and uh, you're impressive. I, everywhere I turn, I see you. So that's congratulations. What you th- what, how's, what's, how's that role work for you? Uh, the Recovery Idaho Board is um, something that is is fairly new to me. We re- we meet a couple of times a year. We I um, got involved in it when I was working at the Center for Hope. There's such a major piece to the centers and our sustainability. Um, they've just been such a um, Norma Jagger has just been dynamic in in helping us with the funding and um, our funding streams. So. Um, it was. It felt like a, a really good fit for me um, to be able to support Recovery Idaho in their endeavors, and and not just with the centers, but other areas that they want to branch out to one day. Yeah, so, yeah, I think that's that's a great fit for you, and I think that leads a little bit to how we're unique enough in Idaho to be when you only have 1.7 million people or so. We get to where we know people. It's not just this little community in the Treasure Valley, which I call, but it really is a small state where you can get to where you understand what people are doing and support each other's efforts. And that's the role I saw you in on Saturday, when I, when a couple Saturdays ago, when I saw you at Recovery Idaho. So I think that's one of the great things that we've got going for us here in Idaho, and congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank one, you very one, much. One more thing here. I need your permission on something because usually I do these and you're in studio with me and we take a picture of you and I in front of uh-huh. the, uh, the microphone so that I can tell social media. And I found this great picture of you uh, riding a bike that is a uh, oh. So I need your permission to use that picture. As, is that all right with you if I use that picture? Is it a bike or a tricycle? It's a tricycle. It's a tricycle. <laughs> Pink, I think, in nature. Try, trying out the tricycle for the granddaughter to make sure the tires were good. <laughs> That's a great picture. Oh, oh, good Lord, yes. <laughs> okay. Well, now that, that, well was, that was a yes, I think? I, 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 think, I think so. Okay. <laughs> okay, yes. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about what you do, because I think it's special what you do when you help people in terms of getting up every morning. You work with broken people from all different aspects of life. And tell me what motivates you as you go forward with that every day. I think what motivates me is my own my own journey. I just when I um, when I was in addiction, it was a lot of it stemmed from the fact that um, I was self medicating um, a mental health can diagnosis, and um, the stigma is so so big in in well all over the nation, but in Idaho as well, and because of that. Um, what, what I, what happened was I was afraid to get help. There's, there's no other area in, in health, in a health field 
where people go in with shame and guilt and and fear and to get the to even walk in the, into the door of some place to receive a service when you see somebody with an illness um cancer or anything you know that they're being wrapped around and we don't have that stigma where with mental health and substance use we have that and so um I stayed in it for a very, very, very long time. And once people start receiving services for either end or both at the same time, um, they um, there is this this thought that life is absolutely limited. Um, they become limited in what they're capable of. And so, um, I had somebody who told me that when you find recovery. Um, your world is endless possibilities, and that rang true for me, and I believe it's true for others um, that are fighting the fight um, with whatever end they're at. And so for me to wake up every morning, I've got to be honest, I, I bargain every day about how I can go back to bed <laughs> and go back to sleep because the covers are really nice and comfy, but the reality is that I can't think of a dang thing that will help me to stay in bed <laughs> and, and or any excuse to do that. And then I start, um, I start the, the movement and here, here we are. So this is my day and how can I um, reflect um, sunlight to people and how do I, um, to, how do I um, encourage people and, and, and walk with them and hold hope for them when they don't have any hope? And so it's a it's a process in the morning, <laughs> it really is. And then I get up and I, I start my day and the people um, that I get to see and I get to serve, um, be of service for, they're the ones that, that shine. And it's 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 not me, it's not any of the services, it's them. Every every milestone, whether it's big or small, is a milestone. Is there, and, is there a link between... Um the the mental aspects of it towards the recovery aspects of it that you can address and do you pick that up quickly or not quickly I, th- I think the longer I do this myself when I see somebody I can pick up fairly quickly whether it's a, an issue that could be clinically diagnosed or as opposed to uh, something that's um, addiction related do you see that dichotomy quickly or does it take time for you to understand that I think it's. I think it's. Um, it, it depends on the person, but I, I can tell you. You know, really, if you're looking at a mental health diagnosis, they don't even like to look at that until you get three months of the drugs and alcohol out of your system. I understand that. Right? I'm talking about. Um, and, what I'm really talking about is when you see that first person, they walk in your office and they're sitting down with you or whatever that is. That first interaction. Do you have a gut feel for that right away? Um, yeah, you kind of do, um, but at the same time, they look so similar. Drugs and alcohol sometimes look like mental health, right? Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. they just they just combine up so well together. It's hard to tell which is which. And um, reality is, is if if we are staying in trauma informed, then we have to we have to have that awareness that pretty much anybody who walks in our door, any any person that we served has has been through trauma, and that is a major factor in mental health, right, in mental health challenges. And whether it be um, through the substance use or through the history um, growing up or whatever it is, and everybody's trauma is different. So when we, when we look at a person, we, 
we know that they've been through something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that trauma is, um, is a major factor in a lot of different areas. I, I believe. No, I totally, um, I'm a, I'm a thousand percent behind you on that in terms of the trauma as they come in. I'm just, I'm always curious about people who do this work and then who do it every day and who do mm-hmm. it on an ongoing basis about how they assess in their own mind. It's a combination of what I believe and what I see in those people and then kind of what gut feel I follow, if does that make sense? And so I'm always curious as to what's going through your brain, as, or anyone's brain for that matter, as they're doing this sort of work, and especially when somebody that keeps doing it day in and day out like you do. Well, I think that um, really um, what I have is a lot, it is opinion, right? I'm, I'm definitely not, not a doctor, and I'm definitely not... Um, able to do that but there is there is some some gut level to I mean once once we've identified the first piece which is that um, more than likely they've been through an experience in their life and mm-hmm. mental health um, challenges are traumatic when you when you get a diagnosis in the first place so staying trauma informed is what I'm saying is probably the first mm-hmm. first understanding that mental health is a, an aspect right is a piece and then um, as we go along um, as you can see, the, the stuff coming out of people's systems, and um, we do start seeing some, some different signs mm-hmm. that maybe some things are happening in their world that um, that aren't, you know, aren't, wouldn't be there if they, they yeah. got some other help. So. How, how you see that, I would argue, is a spiritual gift. And so I'm always curious about that <laughs> from people. Okay. So that might, you know, for, I mean, you're talking to me on a Christian radio station too. So uh, the, okay. thing that, the thing that's important, I think, is... For you to, for all of us to understand kind of what that gift is and how we do that and how we use that. So it's just, uh, it's just a real interesting piece for me in terms of how people do the work that we do because you're very successful at it and um, you carry yourself in a way that has people gravitate towards you. And so that's, that's cool. I mean, that's fantastic. Well, I'll be honest, when I was telling you about my morning routine, I mean, the event is that I, I bargained to go back to bed with God. Um, once he says no, <laughs> then then we, um, I, my, my praying is, how do I reflect the sunlight of the Spirit? Right, and, right, and right. Rather right. than shine, try to shine. And, um, and the way we do that is we start, we start noticing the shine in others, That's right? That's it. And uh, so, we're, on, we're on the same page now. It's like as Matthew yeah. McConaughey would say, right on, right on, right on. <laughs> Listen, this, we are going to run out of time, but um, okay. I really, really appreciate the fact that, um, you know, uh, you took the time to come and talk to us. And um, I consider you a good friend, a good buddy, and look forward to working with you in the future. Okay. Back at you, Mark. It's been a treat to talk to you, and thank you so much for letting me be on today. And you're going to hang on for a second, and then we'll close the show, and then just say goodbye to you if that's okay. Okay? Okay. Thanks. You will know a vision. You will know to saved us. You will know to rescued us from the grave. Glorious, you reign now. All creation cries out. You alone are king. You will know a vision. You will know to saved us. You will know to rescued us from the grave. As you can tell, I got I mean I have the greatest network of people that I get to call on. So, and Lisa's one of those people. 
Uh, if you need information about anything we talked about today or you want some follow-up, we're pretty easy to reach. You can reach us at www.systemicchangeofid.com. You can send me an email, systemicchangeofidaho at gmail.com. Idaho there is all spelled out. We're on Facebook, Systemic Change of ID. Instagram, Systemic Change of ID. You can even call us on the phone at area code 208 477 We look forward to talking to you next Saturday on Victory Ever Sin.